Hello and welcome to the LFC podcast on Be Live Sports. I'm David Brindle and I'm joined by Paul Jones. Paul, how are you? I'm okay, thanks, mate. Good. Uh, so basically, we're here for this is the first podcast on Be Live Sports, and we're going to take a look back at Liverpool's campaign, more focused on on the Premier League than anything else, with the Champions League still uh, yet to be decided. The final is on June first, uh, so we're going to focus on the Premier League campaign, and uh, we'll talk about the. the well, it was the ultimate disappointment in the Cups and the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk mainly about the Premier League. Uh, Paul, obviously, I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it was, a, it was a bittersweet campaign, I suppose. It was good, but we missed out on the title, so it was bad. So it's a bit of a, an iffy one. But looking back at the very, very start of the season, if you cast your mind back to sort of late July, early August, what, what would have been your expectations as as a fan of what Liverpool should achieve this season, um, I think if you look, we were coming off the back of um, finishing fourth, qualifying for the Champions League, and then uh, I think we were twenty, were we twenty five, twenty four points behind Manchester points, City. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I think you're probably looking at maybe closing that gap to single figures, maybe you know, ten, ten maximum. Would probably have been a good season. Um, you know, if you if you hold your hand on your heart and you speak to the majority of Liverpoolians, I think they'd have probably said top four again would have been acceptable. Um, maybe a, a little cup run somewhere. You know, I know people do want a little cup run in the FA Cup or not so much the League Cup, more the FA Cup and, and a, a day out to Wembley. Um, so I, I think if you'd have said you know, end of July, start of August, that we'll have a top four finish um, and maybe a cup run. I think people would have probably been happy with that. Yeah, it would have been realistic, to be fair. Um, I suppose what they actually achieved would have been unrealistic if you'd have said that in July. I don't think anyone would have expected Liverpool to finish on 97 points. Before we dive into the actual season and, and, and you know, the happenings across the 38 games... Do you think, because of this season, has that maybe unfairly raised expectations ahead of next season, or is this where Liverpool should be? Is it acceptable to think, right, every season should be now challenging for the title? I think it's possible. I mean, let's be honest, 97 points Liverpool this season have probably overachieved by 20 points. You know, if you'd have come away with 77, 78 points, you know, touching 80, um, and we'd have finished, you know, what, 18, 19 points behind Man City. Although it wouldn't have been seen as a, you know, a great season in in the sense of what it has been with, with achieving 97 points, I don't think anyone would have complained. You know, I don't think they would have gone, oh, we're still 18, 19 points behind Man City, we're still this, we're that, we're this. Because I think people would have seen that as progress. Um, so I think maybe achieving 97 points, you know, what I don't want to happen is, you know, say, for example, we do lose a game at some point in September, October, um, or we draw a couple and we see ourselves four or five points behind Man City by mid-October, November, I don't want people to start saying, you know, that's it now, we've we've done this, we've done that, we've blown it and all the rest of it. 97 points is such a tough, tough target to get. 
you know, I can sit here and go on about how, you know, it's only ever been done twice by anybody else, and that was Man City this season with 98 and Man City last season with 100. No one else has ever got 97 points. Chelsea got 95, that's the maximum they've ever got. Uh, Alex Ferguson, who won trophy after trophy after trophy, I think his maximum was 91 or 92. Um, Arsenal's Invincibles never got anywhere near 97 points. So, you know, yeah, you know, I'd love to be sitting here next year saying we've improved on it, but we were 17 points away from perfection. You know, the maximum points you can get in the Premier League season is 114, and we were 17 points away from that. That, you know, that takes some doing. So, you know, expectations now have got to be, for me, all about just going for another challenge next season and not thinking, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll achieve X amount of points. Because, you know, Liverpool, and whether it be next season or in 10 years or in 20 years, Liverpool will win titles on less points than 97. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, I think we've just got to sort of take that into consideration and, and not get carried away with it. I'd agree when you say 97 is probably Liverpool's ceiling, if you like. It's probably as high as they're ever going to get in terms of points tallies. And it's, I don't know whether it's unfortunate or it's bad luck or, or what, but you're going up against an extremely strong Manchester City side who got basically two full strength 11s that they can pick from and it's very difficult for anyone to get anywhere near them so it's it's a success but at the same time you know you look back to I think sort of the, the first half of the season and we're going to get to that now um, up until the end of December early January Liverpool was seven points clear and, and I know it's it's a long way to go from January to May and nothing gets won in January but it feels like such a missed opportunity to, to, to not so much get beat by City and things like that, but the draws along the way. Um, and I think people have got to remember that. As you say there, if, if there's expectations where we've lost the game or drew a couple and stuff like that, um, people have got to remember that City done it. City pulled back seven points. It was almost ten points. You know, So you can't really get too far ahead of yourself on, on things like that. And I just hope, as you say, it doesn't turn a bit toxic and... You know, because I think for the first time in a long time, the club is united across from players to staff, fans, sponsors even, which is a big part of the modern game. Now everyone seems to be on board and in the same boat, and it's been a long time since that happened at, at Liverpool. Um, let's let's dive in then, Paul. Obviously, looking back to the the, the start of the season, um, I mean a relatively decent start of the season for Liverpool West Ham, Palace, Brighton and Hove Albion and Leicester uh, were the first four with Tottenham the first first real test um, in the middle of September six straight wins to start the season including those five games and Southampton after that I mean there was, I think they conceded three goals was it across that, that entire span um, new goalkeeper coming in straight away. You're thinking, aren't you? You know, th- this is looking good. And how how excited were you at that point when there was six wins going in? And what was the what was the feeling then? I think if you just go back to the start and we'll if we have a quick look, sort of game by game at yeah. those six games on on the opening day. Um, I think you know, and I'll speak. I think it's universal, not just Liverpool, but on the opening day, everyone just wants to win. Yeah. I think sometimes the opening day. Um, 
performance doesn't matter. You just want to win the game, get your three points on the board, and look at it from there. You know, you can kick on then. Um, obviously, we, we played West Ham and Anfield, and we looked pretty good. We were pretty sharp. We put four goals past them. Um, you know, and West Ham had had a few new signings who they were who, who they were talking about going to be you know the next the next big thing at West Ham and all the rest of it. And and Liverpool sort of dominated. Um, so you're going home and you're thinking. Yeah, you know that that was decent. Can we can we keep it up for the next few weeks and and see where we are? Um, you know, we then go to Crystal Palace on a Monday night, Sellers Park, one of the worst stadiums in the world. Never yeah. mind, it's just to get to to where it is, everything about it. It's a play out you know, as well. It, oh yeah, it's just it's one of the worst places. And I'm always happy to just go there, win the game, and get home. Let's just get out of there with three points. Um, you know, and Crystal Palace concede a lot of late goals um, because they try and keep it tight, um, but they tire. And that was exactly what happened with Liverpool. We went 1-0 up. Um, Palace then pushed on for an equaliser and, uh, you know, we break away sort of an injury time to go and finish it 2-0. Um, and then the week after, we played Brighton at home and that was, you know, everyone was was made up. We we won two out of two, and then Brighton. The performance was pretty um, stale, really. We we won one nil, and we weren't great. And I think a few people, not come back down to earth of a bump, but it was a little bit of a, you know, a realization of actually, you know, we have still got work to do, and there is still things that we need to improve on. And we, you know, as I say, we did win the game one nil, but. You're looking at it and you're going, well, okay, we're three games into the season, we've got nine points and we haven't conceded a goal. Things are going well. Um, We then go to Leicester and, you know, we'll talk about Alisson um, probably in a bit more depth later on, but Alisson goes and makes the the mad mistake what he does. Um, But we get away with it. We win the game 2-1 at a venue that we've not had a lot of success at over the the last few years. Um, So, again... You know, we're we're now four games into the game, twelve points, and you come to the first real test, which is Tottenham away. It's a big one, yeah. Tottenham, yeah. You know, Tottenham are flying. Um, the media builds it up as this. You know, Liverpool haven't played anyone yet. This is the first test, and you know, we went down to Wembley. I thought we played absolutely superb. We were two 0 up, um, up until about the ninety fourth minute. I think Tottenham Late, pulled yeah. one back. Um. But so although the score said two one, you know Liverpool were never in any danger in that game. I thought we were fantastic, um, you know, and, and they answered the critics because the critics were saying, oh, "You've only beat West Ham, you've only beat Palace, you've only beat Brighton, and, and you know you, you you struggled at Leicester. Your goalkeeper made mistakes, this, that, and the other. Tottenham's going to be a different test, and it was a different test. But Liverpool were fantastic, um, you know. So straight away we, we're now on five out of five and. People start thinking, you know, hey, we, we've got a decent side here. We're winning yeah. five out of five, and you know, the, we've had a, a test where your goalkeeper's made a mistake, but you've you've won the game. You've had a test where you're supposed to go to Tottenham. The media are saying that it's going to be tough, and that you know you're going to struggle. And we've gone there, and and for ninety four minutes, dominated, switched off. They've got a goal, um, and then you know, I know we're only. We're only um, touching on it, but next game that comes then is Paris Saint-Germain at home. Um, you know, so we're on a roll. We then go and beat Paris Saint-Germain and, and their so-called superstars. 
3-2. Um, and then you go into, you know, your next game then is Southampton at home. And again, it's another clean sheet. We go and beat Southampton by three goals to nil. And, and all of a sudden you're thinking, hang on, we've got six out of six in the league. And one, you know, we've won our first game in the Champions League. And the next week then, we, you know, we've got Chelsea twice. We, we played them in the League Cup and then, and then we're going to Stamford Bridge. But six out of six before you go to Stamford Bridge, all of a sudden you're going, well, OK, the pressure's not on as much as it was, or, as it could have been. You know, if we'd have lost two of those six games or we did maybe drew two of them, all of a sudden you're looking and going, we might have to go to Chelsea and win here. But that pressure wasn't there at that time because of the start that we'd had and we had 18 points in the bag out of six games. So, you know, at this point you're starting to look and go, OK, well, we might get a point at Chelsea and it won't be the end of the world if we win, great. But, you know, a, a point to point. And you, all of a sudden you start to look at the bigger picture. You've gone away from opening the season on, we just want to win the game, um, to all of a sudden we're six games in and you start to look at bigger pitches and different things and, and, and planning out sort of results further down the line as well. So, you know, things are starting to be positive then in the middle of October, in the middle of September. Especially with, with playing Tottenham. And you've already had a, a tough challenge out and away from home. That adds to the the the, 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 the lack of pressure if you like going into the Chelsea game. If that Chelsea game you've won six and then you go into Chelsea uh, on the back of that, then okay, maybe you can look at it and say it is going to be a bit of a tough one. Um, but yeah, you, I mean you're right to, to to win six games. I think we can see the two goals, not three. I think I said three earlier. Two goals in six games. I mean, straight away, that's that's vindication for spending the money on a goalkeeper. It, it, it further adds to the vindication of spending the money on Virgil Van Dijk. And 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 all of a sudden, you're looking at at the squad and thinking it's it is vastly improved. It's not just false stones where players are coming in and you're looking at it, you know, thinking at the start of the season, thinking, oh yeah, you know, there's the running joke, isn't there, of Liverpool fans think every year is their year. But I mean, after that. Six wins out of six and conceding two goals, you are starting to think, well, it could be our year. And especially as you say, we, you know, first game in the Champions League and you're beating PSG 3 2. Um, as you say, there are two, two um, trip, well, one trip to Chelsea in the league and, and, a, and, and a Carabao Cup game. We'll, we'll touch on the Carabao Cup game first, Paul. I mean, people don't really care about the Carabao Cup, do they, anymore? Let's face it. They don't, but. You say that, and that, you know I'm the one. For me, Liverpool um, compete in four competitions throughout the season. Uh, you know, obviously the Premier League, Europe, the FA Cup, and the League Cup. And for me, the League Cup is the lowest of that. Um, but having said that, it's always nice to to have a cup run. It's always nice to get a day out at Wembley, um, and it's always nice to get a trophy if you can do so. Um, when we got knocked out of it, I, I, although I was disappointed, um, you know, it, it wasn't the end of the world. And, and I think this is the difference between ourselves and our friends down the M62 is, you know, as you touched on before, is that they do have the squad to be able to rotate 11 players and go out and compete. Um, whereas at, at, as it stands sort of at the moment, I think if we rotate 11 players, you're probably looking at maybe five or six who were good enough to compete, um, you know, and then maybe the other sort of four or five coming in, um, are probably you know youth players coming through or 
lads coming back from injury, that type of thing. So, and I think that's one of the big differences um, that 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 sort of panned out throughout the season. But you know, I, I know Chelsea made changes as well. But what they did do is they had one world class player who they could bring on, um, who did come on and change the game. So, um, you know, that seen us. Exit the the the, Carl, uh, the Carabao Cup, Carlin Cup. Jeez, I was going back there. The Carabao <laughs> Cup and um, the Mill Cup. You know, and then <laughs> it, it had no reflection. I remember at the time we were saying, you know, people were saying, "Oh, we've been beat by," and I said, "Yeah, but it'll have no reflection on, on the game at Stamford Bridge on the weekend yeah. because you knew that the the two starting elevens were going to be, you know, nine, ten players different. So, um, you know, and I'll just touch on that Stamford Bridge visit that. When we went down there, and uh, you know the goal that Studdard scored was absolutely unbelievable strike, um, and I, I just remember everyone going ballistic when it went in, and I don't think it was people going ballistic so much that you know because of the the quality of the goal or the quality of the strike. I think people realised in the grand scheme of things what a big point that was, um, you know. And I remember being on the tube going back to Houston after the game, and and the tube was full of Liverpoolians. And everyone was just saying, in the big picture now, with because I think at the time we might have even been a couple of points ahead of City at the time. Um, so we were on 19 points after seven games. And the next league game was Man City at home. And I remember people saying, you know, again, it that goal now means that really, on the grand scheme of things, we could lose to Man City because obviously we still had another 32 games left. Um so I think that was why everyone went mad because it was such a big goal at the time for the bigger picture. And I think people forget that Chelsea were right up there early on in the season. He but really they, started fantastic. He did. Yeah, they were right up there, and obviously the 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 wind kind of went out of the balloon a little bit, much like it did at Old Trafford and Arsenal, uh, the Emirates. So I think it was a it was a it was a massive point, but. I mean, there was there was chances for Liverpool to win that game as well. I know Shakiri had a massive one that he could have he could have put away, and and you know it's, it's it's all right looking back at it in hindsight and stuff like that. But it wasn't even just that it was a point; it was it was the the chance to win it. And I mean, I know Allison made a, a great save as well when I think Hazard got through, didn't he, off a free kick? Liverpool was sleeping, um, and he made a great save. But again, it's more vindication for him very early on. And that's definitely helped his career, but I think we'll talk about him in future. Um, and, and as you mentioned, next next one is is a massive, massive game. You've got Manchester City coming to Anfield. At the time, nil nil seemed quite a good result, but it didn't really turn out to be a good result. I know Mares has missed a penalty that could have seen it. Um, you know, City run away with three points late on. It was a bit of a dull game though, wasn't it really? There wasn't, I mean, you know, we've had some real slobber knockers with Man City in recent years, but this one wasn't one of them really, was it Paul? No, and I think I've got to, I've got to put that down too. Um, Guardiola sort of learning over the last couple of years. He, you know, he come to Anfield and he went toe-to-toe with Liverpool and he went home with nothing um, in previous years. And this year, he come to Anfield and they didn't want to go toe-to-toe with us. They they didn't want to concede any space whatsoever. They sat pretty deep. Um, and they tried to sort of hit us on the break a little bit, you know, in the last five, ten minutes, which is obviously where they got the penalty. And I think that showed the ultimate respect to Liverpool that Guardiola thought, you know what, 
these are going to challenge us this year. These have got a good side. Um, you know, and, and he, he basically, as you say, he came to Anfield. He, he wanted a, a nil-nil. I'm, I'm prepared to say that he got he got exactly what he wanted. Um, he wanted it to be a boring game. He wanted the crowd to be quiet. And he, want, he wanted to bore Liverpool to death. Um, go home with a point. And then see, you know, see how the rest of the season panned out. And I think he got it. Um, as you say, Liverpool didn't really create that much. I'm not. That's not a criticism of Liverpool. I think that was more down to Man City sitting behind the ball. Um, because if you remember rightly, I, I don't think Man City created that much either. Um, they got the penalty, but other than that, you know, off the top of my head, I can't really remember Allison making many saves. Um, on the day so I think as I say Guardiola came to bore everyone to death get a nil-nil and go home happy There's the thing wasn't he the, the documentary early on in the season where he was talking about Liverpool and he sort of made it out like we were giving him nightmares a little bit the way he spoke about the front three in one of the, the clips that i seen of that um, so he was obviously I don't know whether fearful is the right word or maybe just wary of Liverpool's threat um, and obviously, I mean, as the season panned out, he was right to be to be wary. Um, a couple of back-to-back wins after that followed. Um, Huddersfield away, 1-0, and a win at home against Cardiff, two teams who both ended up getting getting relegated. So you'd, you'd kind of expect... Um, you'd kind of expect those results to go Liverpool's way. Uh, a big home win against Red Star Belgrade as well, which took us into another difficult away trip down in London, it was Arsenal away um, you know the, the the whole buzz around Unai Emery was still quite quite lively um, and it ended up in a draw it was, was, I mean we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the ruled out offside goal but do you think that was an, another missed opportunity for Liverpool to take three points? I think Arsenal was probably my first slight disappointment of the season um, in terms of result wise because I thought we played okay down there um, as you say, we had the goal disallowed um, in the first half. We went one nil up in the second half, and and that was I think that was the bit that sort of um, was a little bit of disappointment for me is that we went one nil up uh, and we didn't see the game out completely. Arsenal got the equaliser. It it was a good finish. Um, if you remember, he, he got the ball on this sort of corner of the box and and killed one. Yeah. Um, and it was a good finish. You know, I've, I've got no no issue with the finish, but. It was just, you know, I thought that, that that game was one that we, I thought we were the better side in uh, for the majority of the game. And this might sound like I'm contradicting myself, but 1-1 was probably a fair result on, on the scheme of chances. Yeah. Um, and, it, yeah, that was probably the first slight disappointment of the season. And, and if you look at just before that, you know, you mentioned there we went to Huddersfield. We weren't great at Huddersfield, but we ground out the result. We won one nil, um, and then it was, you know, we 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 sort of brushed aside Cardiff, um, and so again, you know, you've got another six points on the board, um, and I don't know. That was just a slight disappointment for me that that result at Arsenal in in terms of the 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 performance. It was okay, but. I don't know. I think Arsenal are quite vulnerable, and um, I just felt like we didn't we didn't go for the jugular when we could have done. Um, and, and then Arsenal got the equaliser, and um, you know, obviously we dropped two points. 
I think morale was still quite high at the time as well with Arsenal and the fans were it's almost like a bit of a honeymoon period for them weren't it with the new manager who I mean he's a well respected manager isn't he you know he's he's been relatively successful in, in football not in English football yet but you know in Spain winning the Europa League with Sevilla and things like that so you know he's managed PSG as well hasn't he um, so he is you know I think there was a big buzz around him and, and that probably helped because I feel like Arsenal are really a, a kind of representation of the fan base however the fans are feeling is how Arsenal play they haven't really got the mentality to fight through bad times if they are in a bit of a bad patch they will play badly um, and I think that showed as the season went on but obviously yeah I'd, I'd say it was, it was a disappointment it was a bit more you felt a little bit aggrieved at having a, a clear goal disallowed but at the same time at that point I mean what are we talking November you're looking at it and saying okay it should even itself out and to be fair you know Liverpool got quite a few goals that they shouldn't have got um, and I'm sure we'll talk about them in the future. So a point probably was a fair result, um, but you know, as I say, it's it's hard, isn't it, when you see a goal that you're the stud that's disallowed. Um, speaking of disappointments, obviously Red Star away was next. It was a two 0 defeat, which you wouldn't have seen coming a couple of weeks earlier after we beat them four 0 at Anfield. Um, that was the only win in the Champions League as well, which was quite a bad one. And then we get into another bit of a stretch of games where Liverpool should really be winning. You know, it went to Fulham, Fulham at home again. Team who ended up getting relegated. Watford away was a bit of a difficult one, but you'd still expect Liverpool to come away with three points. Um, obviously, Paris Saint Germain was sandwiched in the Champions League as well. Everton at home, another game where Liverpool have done well over the years traditionally. Um, Burnley away, Bournemouth away. These are all games that Liverpool should really have won. And to be fair, they won every single one of them. Is that sort of the, the the right remedy? I suppose it is really, isn't it? To to having a bit of disappointment in a game, you know, you're coming off a little bit of a bad spell. Where not bad spell, but you've drew against Chelsea, drew against Man City, drew against Arsenal in the space of you know just over a month, and then to go through this this little sort of six games, uh, five games in the league, and, and put five victories on the board. That's that's exactly what the doctor ordered, really, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, I think you know after the Arsenal game. You know, for me, I would have just said, well, OK, we go out and win the next game. Now, you mentioned that we didn't because we went to Belgrade um, and we were pretty shocking um, and we got beat 2-0. So after a 2-0 defeat in Belgrade, you say the same thing again. You go, well, OK, we go out and win the next game. Um, I don't think we played great against Fulham, but the, the one thing that sticks out to me in that mind was Fulham had a goal disallowed and within. 10 seconds, 12 seconds, it was it was in the back of the net at the other end because yeah. of Alisson's quick thinking and, um, you know, with, with taking the free kick and, and we go down the down the right-hand side and, and it's in the back of the net at the other end. So we then go to Watford. For me, you know, we've not really had, again, many great results down there um, and many great performances. I think we won 1-0 the season before. Was it Emery Chan with an overhead kick? near the end of the seasons and you know we, we went there and we won 3-0 um, I remember Alexander-Arnold scoring a, a really good uh, free kick and then you know we we Paris losing Paris but I, I don't think at the time and I'll just touch on it quickly with how important um, James Milner's penalty was that day to make it 2-1 um, which then meant that we only had to beat Napoli by, by one goal to nil to go through and um, 
and then you know we, we come into December we're still flying and we're playing Everton um, it's, it's obviously you know, it's a very difficult game isn't it like you know I know I've said that it's traditionally it is traditionally a game that Liverpool have done well in you know I don't think Everton have won at Anfield is it since 99 still um, 99 I can still remember Kevin Campbell's goal going yeah. in the top end yeah <laughs> so you know it's it is in in lot in recent history anyway a game Liverpool have done really well in but I mean I know this isn't a I think we've said this before and I know it's not an Everton podcast as such but Everton were much improved f- from in my opinion this season you know we, we had to put up with long ball football and you know just it's on a chibi on the left back and stuff like that. But Everton turned up at Anfield and played really well. And, you know, can probably feel aggrieved that they didn't get at least a point. Um, and, you know what, I mean, I was saying before about, you know, decisions go your way. People will say, oh, you know, you had a decision go your way at the end of the game. It wasn't really a decision. It was more bad decision making by Jordan Pickford. So that doesn't really... People might say, oh, you know, the money goal that got this allowed at Arsenal, it, it evened up because you got one against Everton. Well, not really, because it's different circumstances. But, I mean, it was still a fantastic thing to be a part of and see Dave Ocarigi running off, wasn't it? Uh, to be honest with you, I hate derbies. Yeah. Because uh, as a Liverpoolian, you know, and, and I'm not saying this is a bias, we are the... Um, Premier club in the city, let's say, and I'm not saying that to, to disrespect Everton, you know, but we are the bigger club of the city, we're the most successful club in the city. So for me, it's it's a no-win situation in terms of if you win, you're relieved, and if you don't win, you know that's it. It's it's the end of the world for the next sort of week type thing. Um, I, I do, I, I just hate them so. When they, you know, you know they're going to come to Anfield. It's their cup final. They're up for it. They, they, they're not interested in Everton winning or Everton getting a the point. They're interested in stopping Liverpool winning. Um, you know, and and they were ready to celebrate a nil nil. They were bouncing on the seats and everything to get a nil nil. They, they had flares. They, you know, they were doing all sorts because of this nil nil. And then obviously, you know, the idiot in goal, and he is an idiot. He, he's, he's off his head. Um, Golden does what he does, and Arigi makes him pay the price. And they weren't bothered that Everton had lost. They were just bothered that Liverpool had won. Um, and so for me, I just don't like them. You want to get them over with. You want to win the game and just go home. You know. And luckily enough, we won the game. I thought I have to agree with you. I thought it was probably the best Everton side that I or Everton performance that I've seen at Anfield probably in all my lifetime um, certainly in the last 20 years since they won that is by far the best performance that they've had and yes you know they did still go on with nothing so it counted for nothing um, you know and then again you, you've won the game you've kept the clean sheet you then mentioned Burnley which for me Burnley can be a tough place to go um, you know again we played well um, but the game was only sort of sealed in the last couple of minutes. In fact, I think it might have even been injury time. Allison makes a great save off onto the bar, comes out, picks it up, on you know off the sort of little rebound bit, um, rolls it out down the right hand side and into Shakiri who finishes the game. You know, and everyone goes ballistic. You then go to Bournemouth where 
apart from I think the four three game what we lost where we were three one up. Um, you know, it's been a pretty decent hunt, hunting ground for us. Um, you know, we went there and again, no disrespect to Bournemouth, we brushed them aside. Um, and then that leads you on then to the, to the to the big one, what I consider one of the big ones of Man United at home. It's not very often in my lifetime that Liverpool have gone into games against Manchester United as the favourites. And um, over the last, I'd probably say over the last maybe two or three years, that's been the case. You could argue it's maybe been one or two, but I reckon two or three. And especially in the last, I think it, not, I think it was the season before and the season before that, when we played at Anfield, it was Mourinho, and he just turned up to just frustrate and and sit back. He, exactly what he does. Exactly what he's known for. And obviously, the, you know, things weren't going very well at Man United at this time. So there was added pressure, not in in terms of the title race as such, but added added pressure on Liverpool to sort of cope with being the favourites in a game like this and, and especially having to try and get away with or try and get over Mourinho's tactics of sitting back and frustrating because they'd worked I think it was 2 nil nils back to back wasn't it and the season before and the season before that so you know it, it was difficult but to come away with a 3-1 win I mean that that's a huge boost and again we, we talk about sort of sort of landmark moments throughout the season you know, you could talk that storage goal, the point um, that sort of kept you going. This was probably another one where I think it slowly started to dawn on. I think by this point, Liverpool fans knew that they were going to be in for a good season. But I think it slowly starts to dawn on the rest of the country that this team was for real. I think, I've got to be honest, it was one of my... Um high points of the season. Um, I thought at the time, you know, it was mid-October, we were on a roll, um, you know, as we've just mentioned, we've just beaten Everton at home, we've just gone to Burnley and won, we've steamrolled Bournemouth, thrown in the middle there, which we haven't mentioned, is we just qualified through the group stage of the Champions League yeah. by beating uh, Napoli at home 1-0. Um, you know, Alisson makes that famous save in the last minute to, to see us through. And as you say, we're coming into this game against probably our biggest rivals um, at home as favourites. Um, they were coming again to spoil the party. Mourinho's a spoiler. He just wants to come and spoil the party. You know, his, his um, personal sort of ego as well was dented in 2004 when Liverpool appointed Rafael Benitez and not Jose Mourinho as the manager. He's had a bee in his bonnet over Liverpool ever since. Um, you know, so he's now the manager of our arch rivals. He would have loved nothing more than to come and and, you know, put a spike in the works and, and maybe even sneak a one nil or, you know, a nil nil. Um and I remember at half time and you know, I always go down to the same place at half time and, and you meet the same fellas as you do and, and I remember speaking to, to John the fellow who would speak to at half time and, and he, you know we'd had loads and loads of shots in the first half but Man United were just diving in the way of them just getting the foot on it just getting the body in the way it was hitting the legs the backs you name it it was you know it was just taking the, the right sort of deflections and I remember saying to John at half time John we've just got to keep tiring them out because as they get tired then blocks become deflections and then deflections become misses and, you know, for, for sliding in. And, and if you're throwing your body on the line, as you get tired, then millimetres make a massive difference. 
Shaqiri then comes on with what 20, 25 minutes to go and scores two goals. Now they're both deflected. Both, you know, so them blocks of them become deflections because it's just the millimetre out. That tiredness has just crept into the, the Man United defenders' legs. So where that slide was a block in the first half, it was a deflection in the second half, taking it past the goalkeeper. And, you know, at that time in October, I, I don't think I'd heard an atmosphere and a roar like it when them goals went in um, for, for quite a long time at Anfield in the league. Um, you know, I just, um, I think that was probably one of the days where people started to believe, you know what, I think we were something like 14, 15 games into the season and people started thinking, we haven't even lost a game here, we're flying, you know, we have got some serious side here and I think that was probably one of the days where people started to realise it. I think it was more of a confirmation to be honest Paul, I think people were, Liverpool fans anyway were, were sort of thinking, yeah, this team is is actually it's different. You can feel that it's different. It's not like all the others. Um, and, and as I say, that sort of result just sort of typified because it was a four o'clock kickoff on a Sunday, wasn't it? You know, it's kind of prime time if you like. And um, yeah, just before Christmas as exactly. well. Exactly. So, so you know, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of spotlight on a game like that. And with it being Liverpool versus Manchester United, it's a massive game of football. Even if they're both in mid-table, it's huge because the two clubs are two of the biggest clubs, probably the two biggest clubs in the country, and you know two of the largest clubs on the planet. So people are going to want to watch that game regardless, and I think it just really put Liverpool. It set the tone with the rest of the country, and people started to say, "Okay, this <laughs> this Liverpool team is serious." That that momentum kind of carried over three again you know a difficult game away at Wolves who are newly promoted or were newly promoted at the time playing really well obviously finished in the, you know well above expectations in the top half that was that was a difficult game on a Friday night as well Paul wasn't it, it was a very wet night down in Wolverhampton and, and do, do you think the momentum just carried through and took Liverpool through in that game yeah I think you know it was if you look at um, all the games we've just mentioned, that was sort of the build-up um, to Christmas, yeah. and then fr- you know Friday the twenty-first of December. That's the that's the start of you you know your Christmas fixtures yeah, as it, it were, um, which is always a critical point of the season. You know everybody when the fixtures come out in June, everybody looks who've we got over Christmas, who've we got on Boxing Day, where are we New Year's Day. Um, you know what? What are we like? Or how many days break have we got in between one game and the next game, and all the rest of it? And you know, our game then obviously got brought forward to the Friday night, and and you know, Molyneux this season have proved to be a tough place to go. They'd already drew with Man City there. I think they'd already um, got a result maybe off Chelsea, um, and they might have even got a result off Tottenham maybe, um, if I remember rightly. And you know, you're thinking this is a tough, tough game. We've mentioned between ourselves, talking previously, that that night um, Liverpool were very, very professional. Um, that was the night that we we seen um, the the potential of Naby Keita. I thought Naby Keita that night was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, and Wolves try and hit it on the break. Liverpool defended quite deeply when when they never had the ball. He dropped in. Um, and didn't give Wolves any space behind to exploit. Um, I mean, there was one point in the second half, I think it was, of the game, where the the lad is it Adame 
Traore, yeah. his name Adama Traore, was running down the right wing. And Van Dijk, honest to God, as you know, the away fans are quite low down. Um, at Molyneux yeah. on the on the side opposite the cameras. And it was right in front of, of the away fans as he as as Traore's running down the wing. And there was a point where Van Dijk just 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 ran alongside him and he just jogged alongside him as if to say, I'm not letting you inside here because I know if you go inside you're gonna cause me a problem. Yeah. I'm just gonna jog alongside you and I'm gonna keep you going towards the corner flag. And he just got him towards the corner flag and shepherded it out and I just thought, that's the sign of a world class defender. You know, you don't always have to go in and win tackles. You don't always have to sort of be the one who's going through the back of centre-halves and winning headers. Just having the knowledge to know, keep you out here where you're not dangerous. And, you know, we'll keep you away from goal. That showed the sign of the world-class centre-half that we had. And I just thought Liverpool to go there and win 2-0 was so, so professional on that night. It was. And I think we could dedicate multiple podcasts to the brilliance of Virgil van Dijk to be honest with you he's been that that good for Liverpool I think it's hard really to put it into words we could spend the full podcast just trying to go through the dictionary and find a word suitable to describe how important he is to this team he is phenomenal um, and as you say he's deceptively quick it's, it looked like he was jogging he looked like he wasn't breaking a sweat but I mean Adama Traore is rapid so he obviously was Um yeah fantastic night to be honest I mean that was another night where, again, you say it's the start of the, the the Christmas fixtures. Everybody loves the start of those fixtures where there's football on every night, um, and it you know it made it better to to you know just just be at that point and everyone to realise that again Liverpool are winning again Liverpool are at the top of the league still and you know it, it must have been really boiling blood across the country by this point. Then we have Newcastle obviously at home Boxing Day. Um, a nice Boxing Day fixture, I'd say. You know, Newcastle were they survived comfortably in the end, but you know, for a, for a while they were they were in trouble. Um, a, a nice four 0 win really on Boxing Day is exactly what you're after. And then to back that up with 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 Arsenal at home, where I mean the, the team probably felt slightly aggrieved, maybe had a little bit of revenge on the mind for, for dropping points down at the Emirates but at the same time we're probably expecting a lot more of a challenge from Arsenal than well than the scoreline shows really I mean 5-1 was a, was a huge result um, and that takes you to the, to the end of the, of the first half of the season Paul and you're on top so you know you're starting to think are Liverpool ever going to fall off the top of the table because it doesn't seem like it yeah I mean you know if you just go back you mentioned Newcastle and I love Boxing Day football. I'm, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I think Boxing Day is probably one of the best days in the football calendar. Um, I've had a few horrible away days on Boxing Day in terms of weather-wise and stuff like that. So when you see that you're at home, it's, it can always be a little bit of a relief, really. Um, you know, and then you look at no disrespect to Newcastle, but you think, okay, Newcastle home, as you say, you know, that's a that's a decent fixture to to you know to yeah, I mean, hopefully no, go and win the game and enjoy no the day. No disrespect intended to Newcastle, but it is for a club like Liverpool that, that is a decent game isn't it yeah and I mean it's not just that we've you know we've got a pretty decent record at home against Newcastle um, you know over the last sort of 10-15 years um, we've had some great games if you go back to the 96 season and the 97 um, 95-96 and 96-97 you know the two famous 4-3s um, you know and, and the two they are two very very um, I wouldn't say similar clubs but 
you know the fans love yeah, the club the, the people are, yeah the people are very similar in you know we all love our we all love our ale and our football and and all the rest of it um you know we're two working class cities so you know you think in newcastle at home yeah you know when we played really well brushed them aside four nil and then as you say you, you you then go on to to arsenal at home and you know, let's not forget Arsenal went one 0 up that night. Maitland Niles, if you remember, scored sort of uh, at the back post at the cop end. Um, you know, Arsenal go one 0 up, and I think, I mean, I can't remember the exact time, but within a minute or so, it was one one, um, and then within another two minutes, it was two one. Um, you know, Liverpool. It was as if the goal woke Liverpool up, and Liverpool went right. That's it. Now we're playing. Um, you know, and Liverpool really stepped on the style. Um, we then, you know, we go and win the game 5-1, which, you know, on the face of it, you go, well, yeah, you know, we've had some fantastic results at home against Arsenal over the years. But again, I thought, I mean, that was a, a Saturday night after you've just had a, a tough couple of fixtures in terms of uh, Wolves and Man United just before Christmas. You've then had to play on Boxing Day and, you know, to, to beat Arsenal 5-1 then on the Saturday in between Christmas and New Year. You know, to to end the year, everyone's going, wow, this is great. And and at that time, as you say, we were, I think we were seven points clear and, you know, we were in dreamland. Thanks for listening to part one of our season review. Uh, We'll be back very shortly with part two, where it takes a little bit of a darker turn. Don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter at BeLiveSport and head to the website BeLiveSports.com for all the latest.